FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motorsport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmix.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Show is maybe going to be the best show of all time. Very convenient or inconvenient that he uh, calls in sick on a three-day weekend. (laughs) Your lifeless troll body got run over. I got over the condescending tone with which you (laughs) called the troll. And back at that time, we were fucking losers. Well, I mean, we still are losers. (laughs) We just an idiot. I think Kenny's looking forward to surfing. But people like you only think, oh, well, fuck, you're only as good as your last race. That's the way the sport is. Yeah, fuck them. Shut up. Oh, Phil has no potential. The money was crap. My results were crap. And I was 33 years old. Bro. I'm just going to stay in my lane, do my thing. I'm just going to stay in my lane. Did you, should we copy and yeah. paste that? Yeah, we should. Stay in my lane. Okay. Don't come in my lane, but I'll be okay. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, he missed, though. He did? Okay, yeah, he's good. drunk. Okay, man, you got to do jump to jump. I'm like, yeah, J-Bone, I'm out, man. Sunshine and rainbows. Fuck you, man. Where? I was in fifth, and he just blew my fucking doors off. <laughs> so you might as well just sat in even fucking race this year. I'm not doing it because I don't give a shit. He's honest, but he's not. He's, he's definitely not like an asshole by any means. What's your fucking number? <laughs> it's been just like, honestly, like sunshine, man. The whole time there, I'm like, I can win anything other than my job. Let me hit the first jump, and when I landed, both hands flew off. <laughs> Are you fucking serious with that earring? Right. Man titties. I'm a, kind of a slapdick. Do you just think you're some slapdick just like spinning <laughs> spanners? This place is a shithole. This place is a dump. <laughs> I'll talk shit all day long. That's a bunch of assholes in that text. I belong there. You're packing the gate, and I was just like, man, you're doing a hell of a job. And you're like, yeah, watch us pull this fucking hole shot. <laughs> Some guy was like, Nicoletti, Nicoletti. You know Nicoletti. I'm saving this spot for Nicoletti. Selfish cunts. I didn't think the Alessi thing was embarrassing, though. <laughs> Can you confirm that Tomac received a massive bonus from Yamaha if Dylan uh, won that championship? Where are you pulling these from? Where, where, where are you getting these from? <laughs> My dad's a pretty resilient bastard, so he might be around for a while. <laughs> okay. Against all odds, we're back with another Pulp MX wrap-up show. I'm Darkside from the Moto X-Pod show, and tonight we're going to get into show 477. If you like air wheelies and sketchiness, I think you're going to like my guest tonight. First up, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires from Race Tech Checkers. What's up, dude? Dude, just like my front wheel, going to the moon, baby. Going to the moon. Next up. Brought to you by Guts Racing from Swap Moto Live and Kenny Taco Bell's loins. It's the one and only A motherfucking Ray. What's up, Dark Side? How we doing tonight? Doing good, brother. Man, uh, really, really bummed when I texted you a few minutes ago and found out you're not going to Hangtown. That kind of bums me out, dude. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm just going on vacation on Sunday, and you know, I just figured I would stay home with my dog for a couple of days. I've literally been traveling so much. 
uh, the past few months and uh, just wanted a break. I mean, obviously I'm going to get a big break, but uh, <laughs> I still have to, even after the nationals, I still yeah. have to go back to Colorado. I still have to go. I want to go back home to see my family. So I'll still be traveling a lot. So I just wanted a weekend off, you know, with, with my dog, by myself at the house, chilling. It'd be nice. You I get it, I mean? man. I get it. But I always love seeing you at the races, dude. You're always just uh, hyped up and fun to hang out with. But that's all right. We're, we'll we'll get together come uh, Supercross time. Yeah, baby. All right, guys. As I said this week, it's show 477 with an in-studio lineup, guys, that I could not wait for the show. Filthy Phil and Alex Martin in studio. Uh, I was really jazzed on this thing. Christina Denny ste- uh, stepped in from Roost MX for a little bit. And then we had calls from Adam Cianciarillo, Ricky Gilmore, Will Hahn, Paul Parabinos, and, of course, JT. Dude, going into this thing, my expectations for Phil's negativity and, like, one-liners was so high that I think it was unrealistic. The show is fantastic. But, Checkers, I just – I don't know. I think I almost had, like, a – fictional version of what Phil was going to be Monday night. And he was actually pretty normal. Like, I mean, he had his moments, right? But he wasn't like, I don't know. I just expected everything to be like, this sucks. Everything sucks. And I think I set my, my expectations a little too high. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely like smooth and steady, um, constant Phil, uh, which I think Steve had some huge expectations as well, because he's been hyping this show up for like a month now, like really looking forward to it. I actually, thought that he delivered consistently throughout the show. It like never really peaked and it never really fell off though. Like it was consistently good. And for me, that's the, I mean, I love when Phil gets super negative in, in that side of things, but I, uh, sometimes I don't really get the humor as much as um, other people with it. Like okay. It doesn't really do it for me. And I thought he did an amazing job on the show because it wasn't so much over the top or anything like that. Yeah. I think it was probably better the way it ended up being than if it had been just constant negativity. A-Ray, what'd you think of the show? What'd you think of Phil and Amar, man? Amar was good. Yeah. Amar was good. Phil was good. Uh, Christina was, you know, she was there, which is awesome. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, Phil, you know, he seemed consistent the whole time. Not too, uh, not too negative. I feel like maybe if we would have got more beers rolling early on (laughs) with Phil, I think that, uh, you know, I think we'd have seen a little bit different show, but uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was a great show. I don't know, man. He started out with what four, five? I can't even remember. Like he, yeah, but then, you know, them boys in South North Carolina, wherever the hell, they can put down some beers. <laughs> that is true. That is true. He, uh, I think I have it in my notes for a little bit later. But at one point, he and I don't know if you guys watched it. I'm going to get to that in a little while. But at one point, he took a bathroom break and he he punched a a Mart in the dick or tried to. And Hamart's like, yeah, he's really drunk. So, it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. I really enjoyed it. And like you said, Christina Danny coming in, she's just one of the great people of our sport. Uh, I know she's, you know, been a part of your program, Amart. So I, I was really glad to get to talk to her. And we're going to get to all that. But starting off the show, you know, big, big time breaking news Monday night. Amart's going to go 450. Phil's going to go 250. Let's listen. And Alex, so what are you going to do next year? Do you know? Do you want to stay the same guys? Do you want, do we? What do we? What can we release here? Uh, I am definitely can't say exactly what I'm doing. Okay, but Phil, uh, four fifty. It's going to be four fifty. Regardless, four fifty. I'm either I'm at the point where it's retire. If I had to be in the two fifty class again, okay, sure. um, or four fifty. It's time. It's so I've spent thirteen years in the two fifty class. Um, Trust me, you know, people know. 
Seven years, oh, you're a multi-millionaire now. Bryce and Tivity class. Yeah. yeah. What's well, more money, Marty they, or him? They print money at Millville. Ooh. Troll announced on the show tonight he will be 450 next year. That's cool. I, I think you should. Yeah. Um, I think if, if you don't, I think you'll always wonder what if. I really believe yeah. that. Because you ha- you've had so much success. You've done all these great things. You've raced motocross nations. You've won outdoor races. You should give yourself that shot. I, I absolutely think that's a good idea. And Phil's yeah. going to ride 250 Supercross to get away from Alex. <laughs> that is actually pretty damn it, funny. It is pretty funny. What do you think about it, Bobby? Yeah. Hey, Mart, man, uh, or uh, hey, Ray, this is cool, man. Steve's been talking about this for a long time. A Mart's talked about it for a while. He's made the decision. And I like kind of what he said where he said, you know, it's either this or retire. And I don't think he means like literally I, ha- I was going to have to retire, but it's like enough's enough. It's time to do something to take, take my shot. Yeah, I mean, they talked about it in the show, just about how long he's been in the 250 class. And he, and he wanted to, he said, you know, if, if he didn't do it now, he'd probably never do it, which I understand that completely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a great decision for him. Um, but, I mean, he's just got to watch out. That's just one dude I'm going to have to freaking rub elbows with, you know? I was just about to say, it's one more guy that you got to, uh, you know, run it in deep in a corner on. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean... I'll probably end up doing the same thing to him as what happened with Cade. So you never know. We'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> Checkers, it's getting I mean, deep already. No, I'm just. I'm, All I know is I'm just. A Ray's an eight LCQ warrior. Like he's one of those guys. When he's in an LCQ, he knows how to do it. He knows how to get to the front. Yeah. And Alex is pretty short, so if A Ray just stands him up on a burn for just a little bit longer, then he doesn't have to worry about it the rest of the race. Right. But yeah. I do think that'll be an adaptation for him too to find out going into the 450 classes is just the amount of experience and guys that you're like, Oh, you know, the A-Rays and Cades of the world that maybe don't get all the respect they deserve, especially when that gate drops in an LCQ or for a last transfer of the heat, those boys know how to get it done and they know how to put themselves in a, in a position and it will be a learning experience for Alex. The other side is being short. He's got to figure out loops and they're, they're easier in a sense on a 450. If you have the power, you don't have to commit as much. But it can get sideways a lot more. So that'll be really interesting to see. But he's so dang talented. Yeah. He's not really an out-of-control rever. So I feel like the, the bike will adapt for him. But I did think it was really cool on the show part of things, like getting the info out that early that, yep. you know, Phil had been kind of not really releasing that, hey, I'm going to go ride 250 Supercross. And maybe the deal's further along. But we got that info along with the Alex thing. And um, it sounded like towards the end of the show with Christina, it sounded like she was going to be involved with Alex's program, maybe a little bit more than um, what she was um, in this year, this past season. Because, you know, obviously she had stepped back from that full team manager role um, with the Rock River program, and it sounds like maybe she's coming back in a little bit of a way, which is fantastic. I think everyone in the sport can agree that she's, like, the most loved person ever. And yeah. I mean, I've barely dealt with her, but everyone loves her. Like, now has nothing but good things to say, and she was a, a lady in a man's world and, and did a dang good job at what she does. She did. She uh, she was one of the first and most accepting of me, like right when I started doing this, coming into the truck. Uh, A-Ray, she's done a, I mean, I, hell, you were on that team then, I think. Uh, in Yeah, 18, yeah. I mean, yeah. a year and a half, pretty much. You know, like, well, in 17, actually, she's the one who actually seen something in me whenever Tommy Hahn got hurt. And, uh, yeah, she gave me my first real break on a team. Um, and I filled in for her in 17 and I, and I earned a, a spot the next year for them yeah. for the full year, yeah, that's... which was absolutely amazing. And with that relationship, it, it helped me for the factory Yamaha deal. So I'll practice Christina, everything that she does, 
to the most organized person at the races, <laughs> hands down. I can they see have that. Everything, whenever she was running the team, they had everything down to a T. They had everything printed out, all the times, everything, track map. They had a set um, schedule of, like, where you got even, like, practicing. Like, you had to take off first. You did, like one fast lap or you do two fast laps and then one off and then you do two more fast laps. Everything was calculated, you know, and she, her and Chris had this whole thing down to a science. So like that whole team aspect with them was super, super good. And that's why she's most loved in the sport too, because she was so organized and so easy to deal with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that would be cool to see her, uh, doing something with, with Alex, if that does happen, you know, I mean, it did sound, like Chuckie was just saying, it did sound like they might be getting a little bit more involved, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's going to be cool to see Alex definitely on a 450. Hopefully, yeah, I, uh, oh, go ahead. I mean the one thing about the 450 class is there's only so many spots, you know what I mean? But the thing about it is anything can happen too. Um, with you know the, we only have a heat race and they take top nine, but there's going to be 18 factory guys. So that's the yeah. top nine in each heat race. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you think about it, you look down the list, there's going to be a lot of factory dudes and a lot of good dudes. So um, it's just a matter of how well he's going to adapt to it. Yeah. Well, and, and then we, we got to get into some expectations. That was a big talk throughout the night. Uh, you know, what is his expectations going on? Steve kind of talked about off season and building into like how, how things sometimes go wrong or maybe they go better than you expect. Uh, all these guys, yourself included, A-Ray, going into this offseason, super crossing, you know, what, four months, five months, whatever it is, whatever we're in now, three months. Um, you're going to start having expectations, and he asked about that. I don't think people really realize, dude, it affects you. When you don't have it and you don't do good, Alex has been one more races and stuff. But if you don't succeed where you think you're going to and you fall short of it and you still put toward the work, it's just like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. It hurts. I mean, even for me, it Millville hurts. this year, um, you know, mechanical first moto, second moto, got ran over in the first lap by Hunter. Yeah. Um, but all I could think about is, like, I qualified P1 and was on the podium last year. Even though I was coming back from an injury, yeah. my mindset's still like, this is what I did last year. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? But people like you only think, oh, well, fuck, you're only as good as your last race. That's the way the sport is. Yeah, fuck them. You can be working much harder, and if the conditions aren't right, you don't have as good of equipment or just things don't go your way. Injuries are always a variable you can't really control. Like, you can be working harder and doing worse. You know, over time, hard work wins out. But season to season, a lot of stuff can happen. Do you sometimes go into a year thinking you weren't ready to go and then it turns out really well and vice versa? Where you're like, I'm crushing it. In, this is mid-December. You're like, I, I, I feel great. Like, mm-hmm. Mike's good. I feel great. And then you just have a terrible year? That happened this year. Showed up to Paul and it was just like, what in the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because he missed Supercross, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And really grinded outdoors right. all winter, really. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, there was not a lack of effort. Like, right. every day, day in, day out, doing the stuff and then... Yeah, to have it happen like that. And then the worst part is you have these people that pay you to do a job, and then you can't do that job. And do you feel worth? Honestly, you feel worthless. All right, checkers, I'm going to go to you first. I mean, you've raced most of your life. You took a break from it for a while. You're back racing again. Um, I mean, but just what these guys go through and the expectations and, you know, even whether you're a, a pro or an amateur, you, you make these expectations for yourself. 
I like what they're talking about. I say every week on here when we have guys on and they start talking about the mental side of the sport, I just find it so interesting because I don't think the general fans that, you know, really consider that right they just think oh it's they're living the life it's perfect everything's awesome they just go race but these expectations from themselves the teams when it goes south and then it it just sort of it starts like a train it starts building up speed like it gets worse and it gets worse and you get down on yourself Uh, i just love listening to them talk about it and try to figure out how you you overcome that for sure. I mean, I think anyone would be a multi-millionaire if they could figure out the mental aspect. And it's something that's always intrigued me of, you know, guys always say, well, just go have fun. Like, right. You could literally shut your brain off and just go have fun, which is a lot of times what they're talking about. When you come into the season, maybe not as prepared, you don't have that expectation and it takes some of that pressure actually off and you maybe surprise yourself. You get a good start and you're running the pace and then the snowball just starts rolling for you and, it's, it's easy. Whereas if you come in super prepared and one little thing goes off, instead of building yourself up, you're all of a sudden falling down and it's really hard to recover from falling down. And that's why you see guys that go into slumps and, and have like just big valleys in their career. And then, you know, it just takes one thing to be, make them a mental giant again and back to that top. But sometimes you, you're chasing so hard and working so hard, you're working yourself actually the backwards side of it. Um, and to me, you can hear the, the depression in Bill's voice of yeah. I busted my butt this year. I thought I was ready and everything just went worse and worse and worse. Like it never got, got any bit better. Um, so like I said, if you could figure that out, it'd be amazing. I always like hearing uh, people talk about it. And then, you know, I want to look at guys like a, like a Zach Osborne on his summer last year when everything just went perfect, like no matter what, he never dipped down. And you hear that with like the, the olden program, a lot of, you don't get too high. You don't get too low. How do you manage expectations? And I think that's something to learn, like just in life in general. So I, yeah, I love when they get into those conversations. And um, I'd say that's like a strong point of Emig on TV. He talks about the mental side a lot more than a lot of other people. Yeah. Whereas maybe you know, like a Daniel Blair does an amazing job when he goes to the breakdown of you know the track breaking down of the bike and set up and technically hitting a section. But that's the one thing that I'd say Emic does really, really well is focuses on that mental side of things and, and brings it up and talks about it. I agree. And that's something that, like I said, A-Ray, in the last few weeks, maybe four or five shows, the mental side of the sport has come up a lot. From your standpoint, I mean, you've been through this, right? Every, every year you have expectations. Every Supercross outdoor season you have expectations. And then sometimes you, you have crashes or you have bike malfunctions or whatever the case may be, no matter how ready you are, it's, it's really hard to meet those expectations from everybody sponsors and, you know, yourself and family and, and fans and, and then still keep competing every week and trying to be the best you can be while things maybe aren't going how you thought they would. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for one, all most dirt bike riders are just fucking head cases in sure. the first place. Right. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've dealt with the same stuff as, as say, like, Phil or, or Alex. You know, like, I had a good year in 19, top 20 in points, came off of a factory ride, everything was going good, and then, you know, the team, you know, ATP, they just didn't call me back at, for the next year. I was like, okay, well, what do I do? And then, obviously, like, the next two years, even this year, it hasn't been what I've wanted or what I expected, and it's it been very, very tough. So I can I can relate. 100 percent so like we're all head cases i guess we just need that one thing to just break us out of it 
Yeah, yeah, and that, that's hard to find that sometimes, but you're always searching for it. Yeah, always um, searching for it. But the way, but the way, but the way Phil explained it, man, he just really was like, like fuck, man, like because like I was listening too, like at the same time, I was like, man, like I can totally relate to this, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it bums you out a little bit. What were you gonna say, checkers? Well, I'm just curious. I actually wanted to ask Ray about this because he has some experience. So for Alex. Obviously, he's been on full factory equipment previously. He knows how good those Star Yamahas are, right? And then this year, he's on a privateer bike. And yes. mentally, that has to be super, super difficult. And obviously, Alex went through that with the with the Yamaha thing. Like, he got the experience and also the pressure of being a factory guy and then stepped back. And obviously, that's 450 where maybe the drop-off's not as much. But for Alex, that's huge. And maybe that's just the reset for him to go to 450 class where he doesn't have that expectation of he's never been on a factory 450 yeah. and the gap is, is pretty small. And I'm assuming he's going to be a blue crew in it. Like, you know, Chiz is shown you can go do pretty dang good as long as you don't mess it up and leave it pretty stock. So um, I was just curious on, on Alex's side, how much does that weigh on you knowing how good the bikes you're racing against are? It, it weighs on me uh, quite a bit sometimes, but I mean, at the same time, you know, we work really hard, you know, testing preseason and everything. So, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of the testing and the way the bike works, it's on me. Um, so, um, it's just maybe the resources and everything, everything's just so much tougher whenever you're on like a, a privateer setup. Like, I mean, you're spending more of your own money. You're driving from A to B to freaking do this. If you want to make a change, you got to take the suspension off and you got to take it somewhere. It's just way more stressful to where it's not even like the bike. It's, everything that comes with the factory team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Booking flights. Yeah. Booking flights, hotels. You ain't got to worry about shit. You barely even got to worry about wiping your own fucking ass. To be honest. (laughs) Like if you're, if you're on a factory team, like you ain't have to worry about nothing, but show up and race your dirt bike as fast as you can. That being a privateer, like Alex and, and Phil were this year. I mean, I would say that, well, I mean, they were still on really good teams, but at the same time, I feel like they still had to jump through hurdles a little bit more than say a factory team. Like whenever Phil was on Phil or Alex were on JGR. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what do you think, uh, Alex about JT? He talked about making so much money in the off season that he could just kind of chill during supercross and not really worry about making money. Wow. What a, what a nice, nice, uh, opportunity to have there. Yeah, I mean, he has won Germany Supercross, yeah. uh, the whole Germany Supercross series. He's done all that stuff. I mean, he's done Bercy, I'm sure. I mean, I've done quite a few of those. They have yep. really, really good money over there. Um, and, yeah, that, those are – it's so much fun doing those races over Sounds there. Like you it. have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you still have to be prepared. The only issue is, it's like, man, those things are kind of sketchy. You go over <laughs> there and say something – God forbid something happens, you crash, you're in a freaking – European hospital, you only speak English, don't nobody know what's even going on. Yeah. Like but like Western at Pike. the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So um that I feel like he even he even went into it. He talked about it a little bit. He just he was just saying that he was more prepared to race whenever he did get to Anaheim one, which was pretty cool. Um I've experienced that a little bit, uh, you know, with a few races that I've done. I didn't do as many as him. I still haven't gotten to do the Germany uh supercrosses, but I did the one in Finland, uh did one in Sweden and stuff like that. But uh it really did help preseason. You felt a little bit more ready and more racy. 
Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And, yeah, hopefully we'll get back someday to some normal see and uh, i know a ray you were kind of talking to some guys about maybe doing australia this year and that didn't really obviously work out but hopefully in the future that stuff will come back around and everything everybody quit being so fucking crazy <laughs> i know right yeah so are, um, you, are you going crazy in in texas are you going to shave your pony in, in time soon no we're not cutting the hair man we're not cutting the hair okay no no, not doing that. Uh, and there are people going crazy in Texas, but it's not near as bad as out west. So, yeah, we're not going to get into the politics of the, of this shit, but uh, it's it's a crazy world right now. Um, did you either of you guys happen to watch the YouTube footage uh, live Monday night? Um, I didn't this time. Actually, when I went onto the YouTube feed, it was halfway through JT's call. Is where the Yep. the feed was starting. Um, so I, I just started this podcast and grinded through it. Okay. Well, the reason I brought it up is you sort of touched on it there, Checkers, is uh, technical difficulties again. Man, Steve's been having some issues since moving to the new house. People are going crazy on YouTube. They're throwing a fit. You know, oh, this is bullshit. It's, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't know exactly what the issues are. I think there's some software issues from the equipment they're using with YouTube. I know the Facebook stream was pretty good, but they did lose their feed and they had the audio sync was off for a little bit and people were just losing their fucking minds on YouTube. Um, kind of entertaining because it's happened on my show a bunch lately. I, th- I think we use the exact same software. Not that either one of you guys really care about that, but anybody listening to this, it's going to get fixed. Marks is working on it. When you're throwing a fit on YouTube, I promise you Marks is fully aware he's working on it. Just chill the fuck down. They were all working on Labor Day. Uh, Talon was conveniently conveniently sick, but uh, it's gonna all it's all gonna figure work itself out. I want to ask you this, checkers, with those guys working on Labor Day, and I watch the show and have to take my notes. So technically, I'm working. Do you think we get holiday pay from Steve? I mean, I was shocked that he was doing a show on Labor Day. Um, in season, like he's pretty solid on having shows, but at least. Maybe like sometimes he'll bump it to Tuesday. I was shocked, and then also with guests. But I, I think really the reason that he did it is just excited because he was able to get Phil and um, Alex there. Uh, but I guarantee you're not getting holiday pay. So <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll be a, maybe it'll be a favorable review for you at the end oh, of the year, and talents maybe won't be so good. That that'll <laughs> buy me a new motorcycle. Is that favorable review? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't remember him doing any Tuesday shows. Checkers, I think he's done shows on holidays a number of times um, on Mondays, and which it usually works out good for me because I'm off that day anyway, so it, I'm not stressed out about getting off work and getting ready for this thing. But but yeah, you're right. There's no way. I mean, I I would think if anybody's gonna get holiday pay, it'd be Talon and or Tits and Marks. But yeah, I, I don't think that's working. Steve doesn't believe in our American holidays, eh, Ray? Yeah, no, he doesn't. He he's he's full candidate. Yeah, exactly. Guy, like he he doesn't he doesn't even acknowledge any. Even though he did get his American citizenship, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, he still doesn't. He still acts like he's a Canadian whenever it comes to anything American. For sure. Uh, what'd you guys think about the uh, the Twitter poll that they talked about? Who had the worst season, Amart or Phil? Amart won sixty eight percent to thirty two percent. Which I don't know if that's actually winning, but uh, checkers, would you agree with that? Do you have any thoughts on who had the worst season? Who's? Um, I mean, I think that um, Alex probably on paper maybe had actually a better season because he had a little, a couple more races, I think, and oh, yeah. a little more results. Granted that Phil wasn't even supposed to ride Supercross, anyways. But I think it's really just comes down to Alex won a race last year. Like yep. he's 
definitely a top five guy, a podium contender, and especially going on a blue crew, I assumed he would be pretty good. Um, watching what him do you mean, struggle dude? the first cool. couple outdoors was unbelievable to me. Like He's so much better than that. So I agree with the poll answer. Um, even though, like I said, on paper, it might look different. I think it's, but I think Alex's expectations are, are much, much higher from people, um, because he's in that spotlight. Uh, but even either one of them, I mean, they're better than what they showed, even when they were healthy, but Phil also let in a little bit that he came into the season a little bit hurt too, which I don't think really has been talked about all that much. Um, right. yeah, I had I was not aware of that, um, prior to the show on Monday. Right. What were you going to say, Mark? Right. Damn, I keep calling you A-Mark. A-Mark. Jeez, bro. No, I was going to say that Phil won a Supercross championship last year. <laughs> yes, he did. That is yeah. true. He won a Supercross championship this year, and then, he, and then he just doesn't even show up to Supercross, and then he comes into outdoors hurt. And, yeah. you know, he rides, what, one race? He doesn't even get the top 20. He, what, he gets one point, two points or something? And then, yeah. boom, his knee is freaking blown out. Well, I voted for Phil. And I- – and, and him, him and my freaking teammate Jeremy Smith collided together in Colorado. Smith broke his collarbone, so he he freaking took out one of my guys too. Jeez, yeah. See, Phil, Phil's yeah. the winner. Phil's the winner. Who's yeah, sketchy Phil, now? Phil's the winner. Yeah, yeah. Phil's all sketchy in my eyes. Dude. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ray. <laughs> did you know there's a way to protect your your fork seal so you don't have to change them as often? Uh, I just know that there is gold valves in my in my fork. Okay, well, you can use seal savers to protect your fork seals from dust, dirt, dust, and mud, so they don't get in there. Seal savers has re- revolutionized fork seal protection where they're zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. Check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side by side. Seal savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Use Pulp Twenty Five for twenty five percent off at SealSavers.com. If you're a lo- an amateur guy like me and you don't want to have to work on your bike all the time and change fork seals every damn week, Seal Savers, check it out. Uh, Scotty Winterstrom from Texas using Seal Savers. Uh, that's actually a, a, com- a competitor. Oh, God. Yeah. Way to go, A-Ray. Way to go. Well, he, he's Berm Lords at least. He is Berm Lords. He is Berm Lords. <laughs> yes, he is. Jeez. Yeah. He uses a, a competitor of Seal Savers, but that's all right. Those guys actually know each well, other. That's a bummer. They're they're, they're, they're the, the two owners know each other. They're cool. It's all no no uh, fork seal protector wars. Um, that's a bummer, man. Yeah. All right. Hey, Dylan wins the championship. First championship, 450 championship for Yamaha since 2007. They they started to talk about Dylan a little bit early, and it really transitioned transitioned very quickly into. Star improving the Yamaha. I want to listen to that. Dylan Ferrandez clutches the championship. First Yamaha champion since Grant Langston in 07. Star, you want to start with the team winning the championship in the first year of complete control of that bike? You, you know. You just think it the team. No, I was just like the dominance. The yeah. dominance of the team. They right. won B-class Loretta's, A-class uh-huh. Loretta's. They were, they were leading 250 outdoors and 450 outdoors. It's impressive. Is this a, how bad of a look is this at factory Yamaha? Guys? Bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's not, not good. good. They, I they, want to know what happened, who got basically shit canned who they brought in who changed the whole direction dude at times though mookie ap and dylan or like you know six seven eight like three yamahas in the top no, eight or nine like good. you know they were good something changed they figured out something i want to know what who made the calls <laughs> that and how and and how that came about because that just doesn't happen mm-hmm. how did they get it seemed like they were on way left field and now they're on the complete other end 
On factory teams, it's a slippery slope. There's so many different things to test. Phil knows this. You can kind of get off in left field yeah. if you're not careful. And I think Star is really good about, okay, this is what works. This right. is our base setting, we, and we don't veer too far away from that. If there's a percent pie, and you got to give a percent to Dylan, a percent to the team, and a percent to DV, mm-hmm. trainer, coach, guru, what percent do you give the team, the bike, and, and uh, Villeman? Everyone gets what is it thirty three percent? No, because yeah. the team's liberal answer. Because Dylan's got to want to be out there to deal with the team. DV's got to be out there to see something, and the team's going to want to be out there to test with them to trust somebody to steer the steer the ship. What's the percent pie for this title? Break it down. I'm going to say sixty percent. Dylan, 30% the team, because I think they made huge strides forward with that bike. I I simply don't believe you would have seen that performance on last year's bike. No one was able to do that, really, on that bike last year mm-hmm. before this team got a hold of it. Right. And then I'll say DV 10%, which who knows, right? How, yeah. how do you quantify that? But I think DV's guidance for a long time has, been, uh, has been great. Checkers. We hear you hear stories all the time, uh, whether it's bands or mo- actors, actresses, like an overnight success. And generally, that's not the case. Generally, these people work years and years and years. But this story really is almost an overnight success from Factory Yamaha to Star Yamaha. The change in that program is just to me, it's unbelievable because we know that the factory teams have almost unlimited access and op- things to you know try, and then Star just comes in and is like, "Yeah, we got the shit." Just such a cool story and still hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah, I think uh, the part that that was really focused on a lot on the show was was really changes to the bike and, and the yeah. motorcycle, which it's clearly good and. And what I would say that they figured out is it's consistently good because Barsha had good races on that bike and it was getting better. But I think it kind of goes all the way back to when Aaron and I was bringing up the point about the team and the personnel around you that really make the program. It's not that you can't make the bike good, but it's confidence in the people around you and everyone having their job or what he was talking about with Christina, just everything being mapped out. That's where I think as a whole, the star program clearly has it up figured out because there's other Yamaha programs out there that probably have a good bike, but they're not consistently good like that, especially all the way from the amateur ranks through. They they clearly put the right people in the right places, and everybody's gelling together. Everyone's meshing together, and it's a powerful team. It's not just the bike, which obviously we get into the bike a ton on the show on Monday, which was amazing. I'm sure you have some, some Ricky Gilmore stuff on there, which was cool. But, again, that's – they had faith in him doing his part of the job and the riders trusting him as well. And I think that's where the Plessinger thing, he talked about it a lot in the off season about wanting to stay because he wanted to work with that star Yamaha group of guys. Right. It wasn't so much I'm struggling on the bike. It's these people know me. They know how to get the best out of me. So I think that's uh, something that maybe didn't get touched on as much as because it was focused on the bike so much, but I think that's a huge piece. And, and then obviously the relationships period as a whole, like, uh, DV with Dylan, but I don't think Dylan's really the the measuring stick because he was a rookie. We didn't know what necessarily to expect, other than he was already pretty good. But obviously, the AP thing getting extremely better this year. That yeah, it looks bad for Factory Yamaha, but again, I don't think it was personally just the bike necessarily being bad. I think it was more the the star staff just they have their stuff together. They know what they're doing and they're willing to do whatever they can to win. And there's that mindset over there. 
is is pretty <laughs> pretty prominent. You know, they yeah, expect yeah. to win, and they were going to work their butts off to win. And I'm just wondering how you know how long does that last for? And you know, who who's next? You know, to step in and and make another jump up with those guys. Yeah, it's always evolving, eh, Ray? You were at Factory Yamaha just a couple years ago, uh, you know, and I I mean, I know you were a fill-in, so I don't know how much testing and how much of that you saw, but you were you were on that team at least. I mean, what do you what do you think about when you see the changes and you hear what they had to say Monday night? I I completely agree with the with what uh, JT was saying. And I forgot if it was JT or Amart. They were saying that you know they didn't let the guys steer very far away from what they were riding with. Like they found a few things that were good and they didn't let them, I guess, venture off because like, I'll go back and say like, whenever I was riding the bike, um, I remember I show up to Glen Helen one day, I show up at nine o'clock or no, I showed up at eight o'clock, like early as hell. They had the bike there and dude, I swear I could have tested 10 sets of forks and eight shocks. (laughs) And I was there until five o'clock in the afternoon. I could not tell you that the fucking last one felt any different than the first one. Right, right. Uh, that's that's one thing that whenever I was on Yamaha, they did a lot of different options, and the track was already gone. The track was gone by one o'clock, and we were still testing and still swapping stuff out. And you know, I was trying my best to give the best feedback, but at the same time, it's like maybe one thing we we gained out of it like the whole day like okay that might have been a little bit better but other than that it wasn't as good as what my base was so that i feel like has changed a lot you know whenever i was there they had uh chiba and uh shane drew shane drew was like sort of like on the chassis side and then cause was suspension and you know they had their own little deal and then now they have a totally different staff, you know, Shane Drew is at Honda now. Yeah. So, um, that's one thing that I took out of it. They only had like, say one person test something, they get three options and then like, Hey, pick one of these and we can use clickers. Cause this is the best option that you, we came up with. That would be a little bit better because some of the guys on the team have came out and said like, Hey, I'm not the best tester. I don't know how to relay the message. You know, it's no secret just give me something in the ballpark. Yep. So that is a little bit of a better, um, or that's what I took out of it. And also what JT was saying about how it was like 60, um, 60 Dylan, 60 Dylan. Yeah. 30, the team and then 10 or 15, uh, DB. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a factory bike. Yes. It's badass. Everything's fucking dope. But at the same time, you still got to hop on the thing. And you still got to ride to some bitch fast as everybody else, you know, faster than everybody else. So props to Dylan for that. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's I, I agree 100% with JT. It's, um, Dylan, you know, like gets the most main of the credit. Percentage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they did. They've said a few times that you know, like those factor teams can get way too far off in the weeds. And, and I think like Daniel Blair is a real firm believer in find a find a setting that's. 70 80 percent and then work with it you know and the rider has to do the work rest it, exactly yeah i think that's what star's done so yeah that was a really cool topic i enjoyed that um you just talked about dylan and you know, you know he's the 60 percent 
uh, you know, it was brought up that, you know, he's just grinding, right, all the time. Uh, I think our article maybe in Racer X came out today or yesterday talking about, like, uh, I think he said something like, you know, 80 and 90 hour work weeks, basically train, prepping for this. Um, but even during the time off, he didn't take any time off. The two weeks off, he, he kept grinding. He kept working. Uh, he told me that, like, you know, Nastasia wanted to go on a vacation or whatever. And he's like, uh-uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm working, I'm riding. Uh, and it got brought up about Kenny and Justin Cooper. Maybe they took a little bit of time off during that time. And that discussion led to this. I think, I think I've seen this a little bit with Jay Coop as well. Um, some people that have injuries, they take a lot of time off over the break. Yeah. Especially Washougal, the Unadilla. And that, that missed time training, the missed time off the bike, it does You think catch, for two, it catches, I think it, it catches it, up to you? You're yep. fine for one national, yep. but when you have a five national streak, it catches up with you in yep. the long run. Yep. I think, I think, oh, I saw you saw a second moto at Unadilla, didn't go well, right? You saw a mm-hmm. second moto at uh, Bud's. Mm-hmm. These are things that I think time off, injuries, sickness, that's when it gets you. Second moto. I, I don't understand it, though. His, sec- his first moto at Bud's is good. It was. It was. He even really tipped over good. and he still took yes. off. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I. I don't know. Something just doesn't add up. Even you take two or three weeks off, it takes you a month to get back to the level you were at, you know, at before the two weeks off. So it, it's difficult to make gains. Uh, anyway, talk about that, man, because, again, you're you're at the highest level. I mean, I know you're not a factory rider, but you are one of the elite outdoor supercross professional riders in the country. You work very hard. You work with Davey Millsaps, um, you know, and if you take – a week off like right now you're obviously you're hurt but just kind of give a little bit more into that how much that affects you just taking a couple days off because we you know like i'll joke about on shows be like oh man just take a take a break go eat some ice cream but it really does every little thing does affect you every little thing does affect you i mean i'll say it right now i mean they even brought it up on the show about how i freaking take you know a few months or like i've been off of the bike or off of training for like a month right yeah i'm not in i'm not I lost all my shit that freaking quick. You know what I mean? Steve posts that photo of me sitting by the pool. Obviously, I'm a little str- like crouched over a little bit. I got a couple little rolls. I told him <laughs> to delete it because fuck, dude, I look fat as shit. You I, know? I haven't seen um, this yet either. I need to see this. Oh, uh, you, no, you're not. You're not gonna see it. Uh. No, no, no one's no one's seeing it. It's it, it's bad. But anyways, it takes. It doesn't take long at all, man. Yeah. And it takes a while to get it back. And, like, I mean, you really, really got to grind whenever you're back. If you if you take, like, a month off or something, you really got to bust your ass to get back to where you were. And I agree completely with what AC was saying. He was just telling – he was telling it how it was, man, because, I don't know, the whole thing with Justin Cooper, I think that he did get injured at Washougal or something with the thumb – yeah, I think that happened, and then on top of that, I think he did have a little bit of a sickness. Yep. So he didn't get to ride much, I don't think, during the break. And then with the sickness on top of that, that'll weaken your body as well. And I think that we're seeing the effects of it. Well, yeah, same thing with RJ. I don't know if it really ever came out. RJ's been super sick the last couple of weeks, like throwing up, not like just not really able to sleep. He's been having a hard time catching his breath or breathing certain days. So he's not training, right? So, and we've seen those results checkers at the races where, you know, I mean, he'll have some decent rides, but he's not the RJ from the beginning of the season. Uh, and, you know, obviously being six, a big part of that, but just being off the bike, right? I mean, and I, I don't think, again, fans that listen to Pulp Mex can take all this in, but other fans that don't necessarily listen to shows like this, 
just think, well, yeah, take the weekend off. What's the big deal? You ride all the time, man. Go, go have some fun. Go lay at the, sit at the beach. But dude, it's, you just, this sport is so fucking gnarly. You cannot, you slack one day, then the other guy that your competition's not and you're screwed. I mean, there's been, there's been stories of, of Stu, like after outdoors, he'll have a bad race and then he'll fly home early Sunday morning and go straight to the track and ride. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Checkers. I think it's really comes down to, you know, like I've been a fan of the sport for a really long time and I'm starting to get some gray hair. So it used to be, you could be a little bit off and still maybe be a podium guy or a top five guy. If you, if you're a contender now, every it's so deep and it's the difference between the first and a seventh or eighth places. It's so minute that any yeah. little bit really, really shows. And I mean, you hear about it with guys when, like, I just need to stack some years together without getting hurt, for instance. Exactly. Because you just fall further and further and further behind. And just that one little bit of being off your game is, is a massive difference. And I think that's why you see stuff like, you know, Tomac will win one weekend and, or maybe in one moto and get seventh the next because something is just not right. And that's where, like, you see the championship contenders have found a way to really stay good all the time and limit, eliminate those bad mistakes. I mean, Ferrandis was amazing at that all summer long. And I mean, that's what like preseason before the outdoors and stuff on the pulp show, maybe even before Supercross, Steve was talking about Kenny cannot avoid those bad races. And then they talked about it, you know, a few weeks ago when he was on the show. So, yep, yep. Um, but that's also avoiding those things. I have to think like Cooper, yes, sick, probably hurting as we're starting to kind of find out from the, the Washugo crash, but he had a grinding Supercross season where he won his first title that has to drain you a little bit as well. It's like, where do you find that the balance between not taking time off, but also not getting burnout because burnout is a, is a huge issue you fight as well. So that's, I guess where the trainers really come in. And I think DV's done a very good job with Dylan and he's talked about it on the show as well. Of, you know, you only have a couple of years and then you can maybe ride the gravy train out a little bit, but you're only going to be at your top form for a handful of years. And then yeah. you're, you're going to fall off. And I mean, that's definitely a trend that I've studied and looked at a lot of, you know, as Wyndham got older, there was nights that he could still go win, but there was also a lot of nights where he was just a seventh place guy. Um, I feel like you're seeing that a little bit with Tomac right now. Uh, he raced, he's racing later into his career. There's nights that he is the guy. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Best guy. And there's times he's a seventh or eighth place guy. I think we kind of maybe forgot about that a little bit with Bill Poto and Dungey and such leaving the sport so early. But again, like even Chad Reed, or Justin Brayton, like they have nights that they're amazing, but then they have other weekends where they're really just kind of another one of the guys. So uh, I guess that's the balance and that's where trainers and stuff come in of how do you maximize your performance every single weekend, but yet not burn out. Yeah. I was really interesting hearing them talk about that. You mentioned Eli and, you know, and you kind of go back to some of the questions earlier in the season when Steve would talk about like, or different co-host would talk about well you know he just had a kid right or he he's changing teams uh he, I, I think he's getting married i'm not 100 percent sure i mean they're not married yet but his life has changed drastically his home life has changed drastically in the last year maybe he didn't he says he trained exactly the same he told me his program has not changed but maybe it did right maybe he did take a a few hours off earlier in the evening or whatever and and we saw some of those results. It's hard to say, but it sure is fucking, it's really interesting how, or it's intense, how much time it takes to be at that top level. As you said, checkers, and you know, we've got guys like Cody shock that are, you know, privateers, basically technically privateers. I don't know what you want to call them, but 
uh, not a factory rider and probably putting in as much work as these other guys that maybe they take some time off and we see his game getting better. It's hard to say how that relates, but it's it's an intense sport, eh, Ray? It's crazy, man, what you got to put into it. Yeah, man, it's tough. Yeah. And, and honestly, that that reminds me of, you know, all these heels that feel and and AC were talking about like they're whenever they're or um whenever they were training and Alex um you know they all would do like the El Carrizo and Lake Elsinore up by Mick Victor and then um they also talked about uh Indian Truck Trail Skyline and all those all those trails that they ride mountain bikes around that oh yeah everyone everyone still rides mountain bikes up those hills like they've been doing that shit <laughs> for freaking years and it's so crazy that everyone still is doing like the same trails and same freaking mountain bike climbs and all of that stuff. It's just crazy to me. Grinding, grinding. Well, uh, I think that you look at to the, it's not necessarily just doing the ride, but it's, it's doing the ride to 110% every time versus, man, maybe we're at, we're at 97%. I still went and did my work. I'm still putting the effort in, but I mean, I'm not a hundred percent positive of this. Um, I don't know you that well, Ray, but I think you're still doing a lot of the same work that you were doing when you made your huge jump with Davey, but maybe, not doing it to his full extent or you're distracted by other things or just like you made a huge, exactly, huge improvement. Yeah. And I'm guessing it was a hundred percent focus on that's all I'm doing. And yeah, I, I don't think you slacked off by any means, but all of a sudden it's plateaued a little bit. More stuff going on. Yeah. More stress, more stuff going on. Maybe like, you know, I'll say I'll cut a ride 10 minutes short because I got to go do something else or I got to run here, run here. Or, or something of that sort. So, yeah, I mean, that could that could even play into a factor of, like, a whole family or, or having a kid or anything of that sort, you know? Because whenever – I will say this. Whenever I was training with Davey, whenever I did move out here, I was all in. I did everything to the T. I did, didn't slack one bit, and everything was monitored, and everything was, like, to the T. I did everything perfect, and it, it paid off. Yeah, I mean, it's, sure. it's I mean, proven. Uh, Cooper talked about that. Uh, yeah. Cooper Webb talked about that when he went to Alden, remember? like Exactly. Yeah, the first year he was, he was there. Yeah, he was, he was started practicing at 80%. He was practicing at 100% every day, and it, it obviously won championships. So it's gnarly to be able to do that. It's also gnarly, like, that little bit, because it's not much difference. Like I said, I, from what I see with guys and stuff, it's not that much difference, but it's just a little bit, and then it comes back to the mindset. Stuff yeah, and maintaining. Mindset. Yep, yep. Hey, checkers, when you do those air wheelies that you post on your Instagram all the time, because I'm out <laughs> on that shit, uh, I'm out. Like, I feel like you've probably got to be really gripping the shit out of your bike and your seat. Uh, and please tell me you're using the right seat cover to get that grip. Oh, absolutely. So I'm pretty, pretty out of shape and pretty lazy, you know, so <laughs> my program also hasn't changed that much. Yeah. And I sit at a desk all day. So I seat bound stuff, but I don't want to be sliding off the back before I go off the takeoff. So I definitely use a guts racing seat cover on my Hondas for sure. My boy, my boy. Well, guts racing has been around since 1990. All the top teams and the and riders have used them over the years. Pro circuit, Kawasaki, rockstar Husky. Uh, Ray, you, you using guts racing? Uh, I am not, but I did use Guts Racing whenever I was on Christina Denny's team on yep. Cycle Trader. I thought you did. I, th- I knew you had it one time. Because- and also on HEP, I think. I think I yep. used it on HEP as well. Yep, I believe so. I believe that's the, that is tr- uh, true. And, of course, JGR, when they were around, they, they were a Guts Racing 
uh, company. But anyway, gutsracing.com for info on many on all the top products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. It's the highest performance seat covers and foam on the market. Appreciate Guts Racing being a part of the wrap-up show. Uh, Adam C. and Cirillo. I think he is a, a crowd favorite. He is a show favorite for listeners. Friend of Steve's. Uh, it's always good having Adam on. Steve asked Troll right off the bat, like, what's the angriest you've ever seen AC? And I thought that was a strange question because I, like, you don't really see Adam angry very often. He's been pretty good at controlling his emotions. And he even talked about that. Like I don't bring my emotional shit, you know, to the, to the, to the world. Basically uh, I stay level headed because uh, like everybody's going through something. Anyway, that's a really, really good attitude to have. Very hard to pull off. Very, very hard to pull off. I've seen AC like, kind of pissed sometimes, you know, when something doesn't go right, maybe like when someone gets in his way for a qualifying lap or something of that sort, but you know, nothing, nothing major, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's super hard to freaking to pull off, you know, like we all, we all have a life. We all have our, you know, stuff that we're dealing with and everything, you know, it's just hard. It's Sometimes that can carry over to the, you know, being at the track and, you know, just having like a bit of a short temper. So it's, yeah. you know, that's cool that you know he's he's able to to try and separate those two yeah well and they also talked about uh adam working with nick way and adam brought up like needing to change something with his riding style and i want to get into this after we listen like i just really need to buckle down and i need to have him on my ass watching me i need to change something i need to change the way i ride the bike in certain instances which takes time it takes a lot of time and a lot of laps and a lot of eyeballs on you, correcting you. I'm just kind of focused on being out here, testing with the team, and yeah, just having just having Nick on my ass, really. Yeah, you were telling me that you were kind of pinpointing a little bit some of your crashes and some of your issues on the bike, and you want to work on your body position to, in the future, help that. And like you said, that's a that's a tough thing to do because you are what you are at this point with so many hours. No, I disagree. Yep. I mean, yes, it's a tough thing to do, yeah, but yeah. I mean, if you if you really so it's just about being super like you just have to be I guess super mentally like understand what you need to fix and work on it and you got to you got to slow it down, you know, you got to do things at half speed until it becomes muscle memory because as most dirt bike riders know, you know, you always revert back to your worst technique in a you know, in a, in a race situation. So it's just got to be so much muscle memory. I do have a couple things. Like I, I do get kind of too far back in the bike. Sometimes it bites my ass in the whoops um, all the time. Uh, checkers. I always revert back to my worst technique riding always. Uh, I don't think I've ever had you know, my, any good moments riding really. I'm not very good at it, but uh, <laughs> anybody that's successful in any line of work, business life, like really has to be able to, step back and, and, and take criticism, take uh, lessons, right. And be shown that, Hey, maybe you're making a mistake. And a lot of people are not very good at that checkers. Like it's not easy to hear or say, yeah, I'm doing something wrong. But Adam, once again, just seemingly an incredible person and able to say, okay, I do need to fix these things. And like, even going so far as to say, no, it's really not going to be that difficult. You just have to, you know, I just have to work at it. Dude, I would think it'd be so difficult to change something you've done almost your whole life and be like, okay, well, I'm just going to change it now. Like, but God, man, so impressive. At least who knows if he can really do it. I'm sure he can. He's one of the best, but just the mindset again, the mental mindset 
is why he's going to be so successful. Yeah, I mean, he's so dang intelligent, first of all. And yeah. so he speaks well, and he can relay that message. And he's also, he's just not scared to be pretty dang open about what's going on, uh, good or bad. And then on the, the thing I really picked up for throughout his whole interview was he's very focused on his plan and his goals, and he's very confident in not just himself being able to accomplish it, but that he's making the right steps and surrounding him with the right people to also be able to accomplish what he wants. And it's just pure confidence, drive, willpower. Um, and, I mean, it has to be super hard to change your style. And, uh, Phil talked about it a little bit of I am who I am. I yeah. just have to deal with it type of deal. Yeah. But I do think, like, it also, I believe Adams follows golf pretty closely. And, I mean, guys that do that all the time, you talk about your swing changes and, and stuff. And they're very similar of you do it your whole life. And making those changes is, is difficult. And maybe that's why he's able to talk about it so openly as he is educated from other sports being able to do that. Uh, but I just got that overwhelming confidence and commitment and dedication, which goes like back to what we were talking about earlier of, um, with Alex and, and Davey, like he's doing that program with Nick right now. Like I like being in Florida, but I moved to California because I want Nick on my butt every day, keeping me going 110%. And um, I think he talked about the bike setup stuff a little bit with Nick too, and letting him kind of drive that. Too. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not really, it's not really what I want. It's what Nick thinks. And I trust him. What and he have sees. Faith in yeah. So, I mean, I thought all of that, it gets me really excited for, can we just drop the gate on next year already? Cause I want to see, you know, what another year of, you know, hopefully a healthy off season, of course, but where's that put Adam in the mix? I mean, and can he realize some of the potential that's, you know, always been there and it took him a while on a 250 to get there. Yeah. And it's, it sounds like he's doing all the right things. Um, I want to see it on the racetrack. Yeah, me too. Uh, a Ray, I mean, talk about from your, your perspective, what Avery was talking about and how difficult that would be, uh, you know, and if that's something that you're good at or you can do when Davey sees something. Oh, I mean, I will, I'll be the first to tell you that I have the most bad habits out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like not, not, I have terrible habits. I'm not going to argue um, with you. And it, <laughs> well, that's that. I mean, I was working on the same thing as well with, with, uh, uh, Budman this year. Yeah. And like AC, AC was saying like on a race pace, everything sort of goes out the window. You know, you're, you go back to your, your, uh, your bad habits, I guess you could say. So, um, it's super hard to do and props to him because I mean, he wants to, I mean, he's moving all the way. I mean, he's moving out here to ride these crappy, dry, slick California tracks to just work and hone in on his, you know, abilities and to get better. So, I mean, he's still striving for to get better, it seems like. And, uh, yeah, like what Checkers was saying, I'm ready to see the dude up front next year. I mean, drop the gate, baby. Yeah, because if, <laughs> if he can figure those things out, right, those little technique things that where he's losing the front end. I mean, that's that's one thing that he's he's known for, I yeah. guess. He's, he would always get a good start, yep. run up front, and then wash the front or eat shit in the whoops or do something absolutely retarded. So... <laughs> You know, if he if he could fix those little things, and I guess that's what he's doing with Nick, then he, there's no reason why he shouldn't win the championship from Supercross next yeah. year. I mean, he's finished second in the championship before, so I feel like, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, if you it's could fix that not one. a matter of if, but when. Yeah, if you could, if he, if if he you, does fix those issues, if he's really willing and going to work hard enough to fix those little technique things, 
then maybe maybe we see next year that potential, those expectations that we've thought we were going to see from AC for a long time. Maybe it comes to fruition. You know, that's that's what a champion yeah. has to do. So it's going to be exciting. I, I really thought his little story about him and Kenny starting fast, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I go, you know, Kenny, you going to start slow today? Yeah, yeah, me too. I thought that was, that was pretty entertaining, like just the little camaraderie between those two about, you know, yeah, I'm gonna start off slow today. It's just wow, oh, that was f- a fun little story, in my opinion, for the for Monday night. Uh, Michelin bicycle tires, guys. Randy Richardson, Michelin bicycle. You know all about the Michelin motorcycle tires. If you ride mountain bikes, road bikes, you gotta visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. Uh, tires. Mountain bike legend Cam Zink, 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, all run Michelin. Hit them up. Support Randy and Michelin. They support the show. Get on board. I've been killing it with my uh, my mountain biking and road biking lately. Like, just absolutely killing it with my training. You have no idea, A-Ray. Oh, man. I bet it's been nice. That ponytail just flying in the wind, baby. Dude, do you, do you believe what I'm saying, though, that I'm killing it? Because I, I, I don't know that I believe it. <laughs> I've been riding. I, mean, I have been... I got back on a motorcycle this weekend, and I've been riding my bike, so I'm working on it, man. Hey, as long as you're on two wheels, baby, that's all that matters. Absolutely. Uh, checkers, Race Tech Rant, Pulp 21 to save. Steve Steve had a good one. It was fun. Um, I was a little disappointed we didn't get a rant from Phil or Amart, but let's listen to what Steve had to say. My Race Tech Rant of the Night, it's really simple. It's really my simple segment. Race Tech Rant of the Night is you two fuckers. Okay. <laughs> That's my rant of the night. All right. I, I, I was so, look, we're, we're all friends uh, away from the track, right? Uh, I, I cheer for you guys. I promote you guys. I talk about you guys. I want you to see, I want to see you do well. And my national series was garbage. Thanks to you two guys getting fucking hurt and doing nothing. <laughs> like I was looking forward to pr- troll. You've heard, you've heard in the past, all the troll train talk. I know. JT. I know. I really let you down this year. I'm sorry for that. Thank you, Phil. Yeah. I've done nothing but create your brand and pump you up. Listen, man, I, it kills me and, more than it kills you. And so this summer, my two heroes, my two guys that I'm pulling for. Oh, Zacco. Love Zacco. Later, Zacco. <laughs> AC, good dude. See you later, AC. Uh, you, you, yeah. you two COVID. fucks out. So this is what both of you. Fuck you guys. Checkers, race tech rant, almost always my favorite segment of the show. Uh, but this one in particular is kind of one of the beauties of the Pulp Mech show. Steve's relationship with these guys and guys like A-Ray where he can – Say shit like that, you know. He's he's partly serious, he's partly joking, but like, you know, I don't know that in the NFL, a media guy could go up to a fucking pick a, a quarterback and be like, "You fucked my 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 NFL season up because you sucked," <laughs> you know. It's it's sort of like we talked about a couple weeks ago. The line uh, when he had Gypsy Tales on, I guess that was last week. Like the line of being a professional, but also the Pulp Mech Show is entertainment. And I just love it, dude, because the relationship with these riders that Steve has created is pretty unique, I think, in sports. And I love this rant. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it stems from it being a just an action sports thing, though, too. Okay. Um, in general, because, I mean, go back to even when AC was on talking about hanging out with Kenny and hanging out with Sexton and 
racing with those guys. Like there's a camaraderie that you see in across action sports way more than you ever see in like stick and ball sports or like, you know, it's whether it's skateboarding or bicycling, like they're friends off away from the track. Yeah, good and point. I don't know if it's because we're all just a bunch of crazy Looney, Looney Tune people and <laughs> we can put a helmet on and turn our brains off for a little while and then go back and laugh about it, you know? Um, but I do think that relationship is just motocross and action sports in general. But the fact that Steve is a member of the media versus another rider, that's a lot more rare um, to see like the media members. A lot of them try to do it and want to be buddy buddies, but I think Steve actually has some real, real relationships, but he's also done a lot to help a lot of of these people too, build brands and, and stuff. But yeah, I mean, if you look at his outdoor season, everything that, Pulp touch has been pretty terrible all the way through uh, Kessler's front wheel and Ray's <laughs> arms. I think that didn't even want to Back show up because yeah. he didn't want to know what was going to happen. Um, I guess Kate did okay the races he showed up with, but for the most part, yeah, everything Steve has touched this summer hasn't really turned out so well. Right. Uh, were you disappointed like me that Phil and Amart did not get their own rank? Because usually he lets the guests have one. Um, I'm wondering if it was because of his uh, fill-in producer that likes to leave very early. Um, And then they also, you know, Steve likes to to run that really tight ship. And they added the Ricky Gilmore guest in during the show. And Steve let him go on for a long time. I think he knew it was, it was radio gold. It was a good segment. Right. Um, But I'm wondering if that's why that was one of the things that fell out. Because he also had the game show thing planned and, and whatnot that their rants maybe got pulled because of that, because maybe, I was looking forward to Filthy Phil getting a little fired up. About uh, I was too. Amar, you're one of those guys that does have that kind of relationship with Steve where he can bust your balls uh, and you give it back and, you know, he'll, he'll talk shit, but he also clearly, he loves you, man. So uh, that, that relationship with, and, and I think swaps the same way with you. He takes care of you. It's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool to have um, those relationships with the media, but it really comes out in the Pulp Mech show week in and week out and it just makes listening as a fan uh enjoyable yeah i mean steve he cares about he cares about his people man he's got his his little group there and and uh yeah he genuinely cares about us man it's awesome he helps us out you know with contacts because obviously he knows a lot of people he helps us out sometimes with parts um you know and just help it and mentions us on the show and helps us grow our name you know so that and gives us that platform to where we can grow a brand yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like Troll, he touched on, he, it wouldn't be Troll Train if it wasn't for Steve. You know, it wouldn't be Filthy Phil if it wasn't for, you know, Steve. I probably wouldn't have my little sketchy brand and making a little bit of money on the side to, you know, help my racing if it wasn't for Steve. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to see Steve. He sort of gives back in, in a weird way, but at the same time, it works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he busts my balls all the time, too, and... I just, I try to roll with You should get merch of just like the ponytail. You should should make that merch. Do you think I should do like bandanas with a ponytail attached? Yes, dude. (laughs) With the Pulpamex logo? Why not? Pulpamex wrap up show logo? Yeah. All right. Well, well, maybe we'll work on that. that We'll work on that. Um, what about Phil kind of giving it back a little bit, checkers? We're talking about Steve's income. Like, I want your fucking number. I mean, that was like, I actually missed that when it was live. I had to go back and listen. Uh, but that was really good because Steve checkers, Steve doesn't necessarily always uh, accept the, the, that kind of shit as much as when he's giving it out. Like he kind of, he's not as easy going sometimes when he's getting it given to him. 
Yeah, for sure. I, it catches him off guard because um, and he, I think it did right away when he first started giving it to him for a bit. So he yeah. was quiet. Then he, I think he processed it in his head that, wait a minute, I literally, I, I think it was the last time Phil was on that he was pounding Phil about it big time. They're like, just give me numbers. Just talk yeah. to me. Or it was like the out the door show or whatever, without the door cost or whatever. <laughs> out the door. Uh, and Steve actually, uh, he actually gave in a little bit and gave some info out. I was like, kind of, here you go. See, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. But then it just expanded even further. Of no one believes his numbers. So. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He said, Phil said that you're making more than J Mart, <laughs> and Steve says two hundred thousand less expenses. I don't know. I have no way to know. But in my mind, I was thinking a little more than that. And that's a big number. In my, that's a huge number for me. But I'm think. I just always felt like it was a little more than that. But. Um, certainly have no insider info, but hey, Mart, I uh, I'd be stoked with two hundred thousand less expenses. Uh, you've been calling me a Mart this whole Why show, do I dog. Keep, well, fucking a Mart was in studio. All right, it's I know who you are, a Ray. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a bit low as well. I mean, I I was in the studio last week, and I think I walked through the doors of that house, man. That thing's like a mansion. Oh, hey, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll be there in two weeks. Hey, I feel like hey, Steve, Steve's doing very well for himself. I mean. Even if he is making that much money, you know, it's a little low, I would think. But, hey, man, all the more power to him if he's that smart with his money. Absolutely agree with you. He's he's uh, He works his ass off. So, But that was fun. I, I enjoyed Phil giving that back. Man, I don't I, – it's bumming me out that I keep calling you A-Mart. But I would probably go back and edit all that shit if I had time, but I do not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> checkers, you brought up Ricky Gilmore. Uh Phil, you know, it's Phil's idea to have him in KYB suspension tech. A lot of what he talked about is over my head of how I understand all that stuff, but so insightful. Like, and I know that Phil was super stoked on hearing him. What'd you take away as a suspension guy working for race tech? You know, what'd you take away from that? Like, how was that, that interview for you? Well, there was a few like really, really key points that, that stood out to me and it was by far my favorite part of the show. Cool. Um, probably because I am close to it. But, yeah. uh, the first one was, is he going to get in trouble from star for coming on the pulp show? Oh, nice. <laughs> Didn't even think about <laughs> I that. A flashback to the, to the Will Hunt thing. And yeah. then, um, at the end of his interview, he was talking about the Tomac thing or kind of loosely. He's like, can I talk about that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't think he must stop listening to the show often or anything. Right. Uh, when Steve said, no one listens to life, he, he was pretty loose about, <laughs> about it without saying it. Uh, so that was that really stood out. But then um, one of the big things that he talked about was they did suspension first. And we talked about a little bit earlier with the Yamaha not getting lost. It was suspension first and suspension first. And then they went into chassis stuff um, and basically did not get lost. And the whole just not getting too far away from, from where you're going, which one of the things that – I deal with with riders all the time is let's not just go to left field. Like when I work Loretta's for instance, I have worked with a lot of amateur kids and, and some of them to go down there and they go out for practice and they're on a stock setup or something that it doesn't work at all. And they come over and they're like, Oh, I want to get a full rebound done. Like let's dial it in. And I'm like, wait a minute, hit the brakes. <laughs> like, would I love to sell you a full suspension setup right now? Absolutely. That's my job as a business. I'm also not a crappy person. And at the biggest race of the year, I don't want you to go out and ride a motorcycle that's completely different than you've ever ridden. Like let's work with what you have that got you here. And then when you get home, then we can start, start over and and work somewhere, but like not getting lost, going to a track, trying to ride something completely different and instead working in a direction to make baby steps. 
And also, if, if you go into the season and you make this massive change, like at A1, what were you doing all offseason? Where did you screw up? Right. Um, so it sounded like, to me, it was it's a really focused program, and they just they wanted to gradually build versus, here, we're going to start with this completely foreign motorcycle that you're not used to and just start throwing stuff at it. And, and maybe you miss something that's really good. You know, if you do a do a clamp change and a fork change at the same spot, you might not realize that the clamp was actually pretty good, but the fork just sucked so bad that you couldn't tell. Um, so that's really what I took away was, was just that very calm, methodical way. And I mean, just, I've never met Ricky. I wouldn't know what he looked like, but just, he seemed to have this way that I liked him right by the time he was done with the interview. So you can build a relationship with the rider and trust pretty quickly as well. If you have that personality that he has. Yeah, I, I liked his interview, too. Like I said, some of that stuff gets a little over my head uh, with the technical side of suspension and everything, but I really enjoyed what he It was interesting to listen to. I just ne- didn't necessarily comprehend everything he was talking about uh, because I'm one of those guys that pretty much I'll set my sag and I just jump on the bike and I go because that's just what I do. I've never had any other opportunities, I guess. But, it was yeah, it was a good stuff. I'm glad they added him to the show. Uh, I mentioned earlier Christina Denny came in. I'm sure everybody's listened to the show by now, but she talked about, uh, you know, working with Team USA for MXDN. Uh, you know, obviously we're not going. COVID restrictions. She talked about the fans aren't being very accepting. Um, and so if you guys haven't listened, go back and check that out. Christina's just great. Uh, Paul Parabinos came on a little bit after working a wrench this weekend for Jace Kessler on the Pulp Mex Yamaha. Owned by Steve Mathis. Clearly not maintained by Steve Mathis, not maintained by anybody. It sounds like a Ray. Um, Steve cannot give you any shit about shit falling off your bike anymore. No, I mean he had he almost had a shock go through his ass. I mean he had uh, the the top the top of the shock uh, come out, and he had missing uh, subframe bolts, all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah, he has no room to talk about me anymore. That no, they had all kinds of issues. It seemed like, and then. Um, you know, it sucked. It, it was something that was not even Paul Perimidos' fault. Um, I think it honestly had to do with the way the track was made because there was a lot of singles, a lot of flat landing jumps. Mm-hmm. The dirt was super hard, a lot of rocks. Um, Jace Kessler, they talked about it on the show. He ended up breaking a wheel. Yep. But luckily they had an, they had another one, that stock wheel. Um, they, they talked about, um, you know, other teams and people helping them out. Which is which is awesome, you know. I mean, yeah, we all race, um, but at the same time, it's like you know, you don't want to see someone just have a DNF and and not get to race, you know, whenever they've flown halfway across the country, you know. Yeah, so that no was doubt. cool. To see that, yeah, that was that was cool to see that whole whole thing come together with Paul, uh, Nick Way, and and Steve. I thought it was cool. I I did too. And uh, checkers, I think it was Triple J that messaged me Saturday morning. It was like, oh, apparently Steve's bike was missing bolts and blah, blah, blah. I guess he saw it on social media somewhere. And I was like, no, no way, dude. He, it's They're probably just playing. Oh, it was on the Weed Show. I think it was on the Weed Show where he saw that. And he told me, and I was like, nah, they're just fucking with him. You know, they're just, no way Steve's bike's missing bolts. He's a professional mechanic. I know he's not washing his bike, but surely he's fucking maintaining it. And then... I see the way the weed show, you know, when they go into qualifying and I'm like, Oh shit, it was real. Like I was, I was honestly blown mind, dude. I cannot believe the bike was that bad off. 
I mean, Steve's made it pretty apparent that he really doesn't like to work on his, his dirt bike. Yeah. Um, but somehow he builds project bikes, which is <laughs> blows me away. Like, you'll sit and work on the garage on building a project bike, but as far as just going through your bike and, and that sort of thing, it seems like he doesn't really like to and, and doesn't really care to. Um, I saw it the first time I think um, Steven tweeted out, oh, sorry about that shock nut or something like <laughs> that. Um, which was the first that I'd heard of it. And I have seen the weed show as well yeah. um, where they talked about it and whatnot, but I'm glad that everything came together and worked out and that J section got a good second motor in, which had to have been a lot of work from a, you know, terrible gate pick from a DNF in the, oh, yeah. in the first level. Yeah. But, um, I've gotten to know Jace a little bit. I couldn't be happier for the kid to get an opportunity. Is that a hangtown deal as well? All right. I don't know for sure. Is he, is it both California rounds that he's loaning him the bike or was it a one and done? Um, I wasn't sure because I do know that I'm not um, Jason wasn't planning on doing these races at all, and then um, Steve was gracious enough to to offer him the bike, which, like, is like I said, it's incredible, especially because he was coming off a thirteenth in a moto the week yeah. prior, which is was pretty cool. Um, they also mentioned the uh, a couple times, and I think it was on social media as well. The the polls like I'll do good work and I'll work hard, but I won't do it for free thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Nick saying that basically I'll step up and pay it. Then Steve, you want to help me? Pay, you want to help me with that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought that was that was interesting. I guess in a, in a fact of that, Paul's like, "Yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not doing it for free." Um, hey, more power to you. It's like, hey, way to way to stand your ground. Like, yeah. you know, you're. Gonna, could you imagine if he offered to do it for free and then it was super gnarly hot out? Oh, oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would have been rough. Plus, it just makes the story that much better because I'm sure Steve and like in that group text and stuff, I can just picture him just razzing on Nick the whole time. And, of course, and on Paul, uh, I gotta pay you for this. Yeah, team owner, <laughs> team owner. <laughs> yeah, well, the contract. <laughs> I like going back to what I said about being surprised. Though, yeah, I have. He, he doesn't seem like he's mentioned. I don't like working on the bikes, but as I said in the text with Triple J, I was like, that bike only has like sixteen hours on it. And I think he said it was nineteen, but either way, like, how does all that shit falling off in nineteen hours? I, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't ride a bike that hard, eh, Ray. I'm sure in nineteen hours you could fucking lose half the motorcycle, but. I don't ride one that hard. I don't think Steve rides one that hard where shit should be falling off that fast. Yeah, I don't know. I think that might have just been a mechanical error on, no. error on Steve's part. I, I mean, like my that. bikes even have 20 hours on theirs, and I don't, my shock hasn't come off yet. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I mean, like I've it. definitely had other stuff come off, but that was, but not my shock. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's Hell, shit, mine's, uh, yeah, anyway, it's torqued on. It shouldn't fall off like that. That I, I like the mechanic error. I'm going to go with that. No, uh, yes. Definitely, but Paul well, Barabino back to uh, his shock being off the bike, right? And then he put his shock back on, and clearly didn't tighten the bolt on the shock or on the subframe. So, yeah, um, it all can come back to uh, it was mechanic error because it's not like you can just blame it. Hey, it was from the factory because I know the shock was off because yep. had to get springs put on it. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's definitely mechanical error. So, and here's the thing: we all know Steve, right? If if it wasn't him that put that shock back on. He would be completely roasting whoever put that shock back on for him. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Bad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're you guys spot on. But anyway, Paul Parabinos was always great. He's super knowledgeable, and I love when he's on the show. Uh, found out that uh, he's pretty much a no BS guy. And if you guys want any information from him uh, through email, put it all in one email. Get it all together, or you're going to get on his nerves. So yeah, I. 
I had to go back in my mind and be like, oh shit, I've been messaging him about some stuff. I probably sent way too many messages. <laughs> so probably been getting on Paul's nerves and I apologize. But, uh, all right, A-Ray, life after racing. Check this out. And But JT steps into a job with WPS. You know, he had a long time connections with mm-hmm. Fly. Mm-hmm. What are you two going to do? Troll training? Are you making any money what? on that? Uh, no, it's, it's okay. been going pretty well. Okay, it's, so he got, it's, it's he's helped stacking cash like his old man on the side of Millville. But that that was the idea, right? It's like what JT's talking about. Right. Like moving on, retiring from something that we've worked for 15, 20 years of our life. I mean, it goes beyond motocross. Right. Depression and these these things are a real problem mm-hmm. with that. Oh, yeah. Look, look at Phil. Yeah. You have the highest of highs, and all of a sudden, it's just like, right. dude, yeah. you sit on your couch, and you're just well, like, what's what, the Like, what JT, you never had that. You went right into working, moving to Boise and working for WPS, like, yeah. right away. It was it was euphoria for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I yeah. wanted out so bad. Phil, <laughs> Phil was going to be a prison guard. Yeah, because I didn't know. I, I needed a plan B, and, yeah. I, you know, my old man's just like, listen, dude, if it's over, it's over. You you need yeah. you can't sit around. You can't smoke up your savings. You can't do nothing. You got to yeah. go work. Yep. Hey, Ray, a reoccurring story throughout the sports history of, you know, it's a short career, careers end pretty damn young. You really got to have that backup plan, man. It's not easy, right? I mean, you're a young guy. You're probably not always, you know, when you're in your 20s, I don't know that you're really thinking about your future when you're in your mid-30s and 40s. Uh, you're a professional athlete. You're slaying chicks. You know, you're scrolling right, swiping right on Tinder. You're not, you're not thinking about what's my next step. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been on the mind for the past couple of years, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things that you got to think about, uh, that you got to really, really figure out, man. I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely options. Um, it depends on whether the rider wants to, you know, stay in the sport, like maybe like JT did or, or like trolls trying to, but I mean, I mean, we just got to know what we want to do immediately after, you know, it, it sucks because a lot of us, we, we retire whenever we aren't really like wanting to, or we're just getting older and we can't really accept the fact. So we're just showing up to the races anyways, even though we're stuck and we're just getting old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's terrible. You know, it's just one of those things. It's definitely been on my mind the past few years, um, trying to figure out what I want to do and trying to network. I want to stay in the industry, you know, and figure all that stuff out. You know, maybe I get a job at race tech changing seals or something. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Check send checkers a resume. I'll get you his email. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's I think it's super cool that you know, like troll training. He did his whole like uh, the, the his whole website, and he's yep. he's really honed in on the whole training aspect, and he's really bringing a science to what he's doing. Um, dude, I mean, Phil, he's all over the fucking place. So holy <laughs> shit, man, he's gonna be a prison guard or, right, right. or like who knows? I mean team manager who knows what the fuck he's gonna do he'll probably be working at the shop next to jmart yeah probably <laughs> uh yeah checkers i think a guy like jt man just fell into the perfect position at wps like he's he fits in perfectly there not so easy for everybody else but it's really it's 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 interesting listening to these guys talk about it we've heard other riders talk about it and it worked for some yeah, it, it, go ahead i was just gonna say like if you look at it though like I think it made it easier for JT to quit knowing he had that opportunity waiting for him. Yeah. And so there's that part of things. And, but also when you have a guy like, like Amar, and I think it was him that said it, or one of the guys said it on the show, that's why you don't burn bridges. But when you've been a long time person in the industry, then they talk about that as well. You see the same people every weekend. And if you're a good dude that doesn't treat people like crap, 
I feel like you're going to know about opportunities and that opportunity will come up for you um, a lot more, more easily. And um, so then it just comes down to when the opportunity is ready, are you ready to be done or do you want to keep racing? But I think like the, through the, the power of pulp is almost making it easier for people as well. And I think it helps JT considerably. Um, and he was obviously the kind of the first one, but he had a name and a reputation beyond just a racer. Um, because people feel like they personally know you when they hear you on pulp so much and yep. to have Steve help build these characters for you. Um, of an A-Ray or such. And, um, I don't think Alex will have any, I don't think he'll have to touch some fork seals or anything along those lines. I think, um, I think he'll transition pretty well somewhere in the, in the industry. Um, I mean, shit, he's been at the races with his race team the past few weeks, not racing and, um, still supporting them and working uh, with Mumphy and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> you know, I think something along, something along a role along that side of things, of uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do, you know, like, <laughs> just because I'm sketchy doesn't mean I don't can't yeah, pick yeah, up sure. on how not to be. Um, right. something yeah, along exactly. like, um, I think would easily transition with, uh, with Aaron. And also he has so much experience. I mean, back to the not super fast A-Ray days and not super in shape, but his spider energy team and stuff like that. Like he's got experience managing and running teams and, and building programs and stuff too. And, um, that's super valuable when it comes to building relationships and main, you know, maintaining just all that organization and everything on your own. So like, I think it's not that hard for guys to, to translate because as racers, we're worse used to working and working and working. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just focus somewhere else. All right. Good. Yeah. Good points. Uh, I want to talk about motorsport.com. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, and ATVs, ATVs and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. I mentioned last week on here that I, I had, I'm, I'm back on my 06 Honda A-Ray. Uh, I got rid of the 15. Oh, so I'm back on a carbureted bike. I tried cranking it up a week ago, and, man, fuel was just dumping out of the, the fuel pitcock. So I ordered an OEM fuel pitcock from Motorsport, came in in like three days, slapped that thing on, cranked the bike up, no more leaking out of the pitcock. It just decided it was going to dump out of the overflow because the float was stuck. But that's all right. We got that fixed, too. Thanks to Motorsport.com. My 06 was ripping this last weekend um, at about – a quarter throttle most of the time because I was really not good on a motorcycle, man. It's we talked. I talked earlier about like we talked about being off the bike for a couple of weeks. When you're somebody that really already has no talent, and then you're off the bike for a few months, get back on a bike. It's really bad. Like it's bad. Yeah, I mean, you feel like you feel like uh, you don't know. You feel like you've never ridden a dirt bike before. That's like, exactly. Exactly. Your whole center gravity's off. Yeah. Everything's coming at you all fast. Yeah, dude, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, I don't know that I should even be on this thing. It's it's bad, but I'm gonna get through that, man. I'm getting back into it, so I'm working on it. Uh, but thanks to Motorsport. Couple more topics. I want to start ripping through these things a little bit. Will Hahn came on. Funny how he's back on the show. We talked about you actually made the point earlier, Checkers, about uh, Cody coming on with, and it was kind of surprising. But it's funny that everybody at Star Yamaha pretty much can come on the team. Except for Will Hahn when he was there. He's the only one that didn't. Because, you know, we had Levi on a couple weeks ago and uh, Nick Romano, you know, all those guys. So, But anyway, Will Hahn comes back on. We love Will. Talked about working at TLD, how much he enjoys it. 
We talked about the flip-off game. Steve's up a couple right now, as of late anyway. Um, that was all cool stuff. I love Will Hahn. But while Will was on, we had some really, really good stories. A-Ray, you kind of mentioned that in a text earlier, some of the Will Hahn stories. So I'm going to play a clip with a couple of his stories and a story from earlier in the show that Phil told. It's a little bit of a long clip. It's about three minutes. But uh, these are good stories, and I think we'll have fun talking about it. Early, late 2020. Oh, yeah. And Kenny wasn't even riding outdoors, and I had been grinding for, like, two months, and you had been riding or whatever. And Kenny's just like, uh, he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're going to do 235. So he goes, oh, he goes, you mind if I hop in? We're like, yeah, okay, yeah. sure, hop in. He's like, all right, well, so we went first because we thought he would be way off the pace. Well, first lap was just like, you know, we pulled on him a little bit. The next lap, I looked, I'm like, where the fuck's Kenny? And then I look, he's like three and a half seconds farther up, and I'm like, what the hell? I said, I, I didn't do a bad lap. And then next lap, it was another three and a half seconds. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Remember this very clearly, <laughs> dude. And then I start panicking. I'm just like, dude, this. I think he was on a stock motor. He just had suspension, right? And then, dude, he caught panicking. me, left me, and then we get off, and he was just like, man, he goes, oh, man, my bike's not handling very good today. I'm like, dude, classic, classic I'm like, panic. dude, fuck you, man. <laughs> I, I was so mad that day. We kind of have a joke about it, like come up to him before a race and was like you I'm, I'm always like you think about starting off slow and he's like sarcastically he's like yeah i'm like me too i can't afford that shit it's expensive and what was it like for you will to go to Larocco's? did he talk did he did he talk much oh uh, dude we, we actually had a blast like looking back i actually Justin and i probably tell a story about that trip like probably once a day you know he wanted to toughen us up we were all too soft right and i'm like the old old guy on the team and i'm like 20 we'd wake up in the morning and we'd go run these sand dunes and then it was like three miles of hell. Like you had to crawl up hills. It wasn't like you could you couldn't stand going up it. He's like, you guys, you know, pretty soft. And I'm like, well, I didn't race like all year, so I didn't know. Like, I couldn't win for all I know. I was really good at everything off the bike, but I couldn't win any motos. Right. right. Just, the whole time there, I'm like, I can win anything other than my job. We were doing 40s every time, and uh, you know, we had to pull in for fuel because our tanks weren't big enough, even our race tanks. So we were riding race bikes in between here too. Mind you, there was one mechanic for all of us, and that poor guy had his hands full because we were blowing up bikes and <laughs> they were all race bikes, and we were just roaching these things out. We'd pit for fuel. We had to do burpees until our bike was full, and then he would give us a thumbs up. Oh, so, stop it, God really? Bless. Uh, we had to be fully geared up, goggles, helmet, everything, and you had to do 100 push-ups before you could start the moto. <laughs> so, And if you stopped at any point, so if you got to 20 and you stopped, you had to do 10 burpees and then restart push-ups. So then I take off. I win the push-up challenge, right? So I'm like, yes, this is my shot. Like I Now I have like maybe a 30-second gap that I can hold for the moto. Oh, yeah, maybe. yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm like, my moment to shine. So I rip out of the garage and hit the first jump, and when I landed, both hands flew off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, A-Ray, uh, these stories kind of remind me of your mountain bike story with Davey, uh, but yeah, uh, what'd you think, it, man? It's torture. I, it huh? sounds like torture. It yeah. sounds completely like torture. I would not want to experience that at all. I mean, I'm not good at push-ups, and I feel like if I had to do 100 push-ups before getting on the track, that exact thing would would happen to me, and I would kill myself. The sun would have went. The sun would go down before I could get a hundred push-ups done. I think. <laughs> I need oh, a, I know. Right? I need an hour yeah, break. Breathing all heavy. Heart rate would be like one eighty. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be terrible. It would be terrible. But honestly, like checkers, these stories, right? And there, there was one that I didn't even put in there about Sunday Fun Day with Osho and, and the mountain bike ride. Uh, like again, this is why we listen. We're not getting this 
uh, you know, when we watch the race on TV, right? If you don't listen to Pulp Mix Show, you don't get this stuff. This is this is what the show is about. The shit that you just don't read about or hear about without these guys opening it up to Steve and giving us this behind the scenes shit. Well, yeah, and I think it helps too when you have a couple of racers in studio too um, that to bench race with. Like I literally was dying laughing just again listening to it again. Um, and, the, and then factoring in the fact that the Morocco boot camp he's talking about, they were doing that during the season. Yeah. Like, it's not like this was an off season. I'm going to build some toughness. It's like, Hey, I'm going to completely ruin you guys. And you stop your race next weekend. Like, Oh my goodness. And then, yeah, you mentioned the Sunday Monday one. That was incredible as well. So um, if you don't have that clip, they'll definitely have to go back in the show and, and listen to that. It was, it was really good. Just a Johnny O. I'm going to teach you a lesson, toughen you up. Yeah. I mean, it just shows how gnarly though. You know, the training might be really specialized now and the guys really work hard, but in the old school, it was so not specialized. It was just grind yourself till you can't grind anymore. Um, like there was just, that's their, that's their methods with it. It's, I mean, I'm just going to try harder and work harder. It's not work smarter at all. Yeah. It's the old, like, you know, I don't know if he, like I played high school football, right. And pop more. It's like, don't be a pussy. Just work it till you throw up and then work some more. Like, yeah, there's no there's no science behind it. Just keep fucking working hard. You know, beat yourself to shit so that when come game time or race day, you already know how to suffer. But yeah, there's, there was no thought of recovery back then. So those are such good stories and listening to them tell those stories. And there's there's stuff I cut out. If you guys haven't listened to the full pulp show, you got to go back and check that out. All right, last segment I want to talk about was the Phil and Amart newlywed game. It's not the first time Checkers he's done this with a couple couple buddies. Um, yeah, we had a tie, which was won by rock paper scissors. That's the only way to obviously break a tie. Um, I like the Amart flip the date of birth. That sort of reminded me of the other couple that did this, the the missing the date the birth dates. But what I want to ask you, Checkers, is uh, who makes a better couple? Phil and Amart or A Ray and Cade? I mean, I feel like Phil and Amart are more of like a couple because uh, <laughs> Phil is just the grumpy wife. Yeah, and right, right? I'll do anything to please you type of type of thing. But um, I mean, I think I'm, I'm going with Cade and A Ray on the newlywed game. Um, oh, I like that. I, I, like that I think they're just lust. They're just lusting for each other. Yeah, yeah, they have a love hate relationship. Uh, a Ray, did this bring back some memories? Uh, yeah, a little bit between Katie and I. But yeah. uh, I feel like Katie and I. I mean, I mean, have Phil and Alex have they done? Have they had their like little breakup like Katie and I did? I mean, like uh, and I, we got all mad at each other. He cleaned me out. I cleaned him out. Then I cleaned him out again. And then like you know, like the whole taunting thing down the. the like I don't know. I feel like Katie and I. We've we've had our beef. And then we've like reunited and got back together. I feel like there has been some distance between Phil and Amart a couple years ago. Like you know when I know oh, that yeah. I know Phil and Jmart had their issue, maybe still have their issue. And I feel like there was a little bit of a separation. I don't know about a full breakup, but I think they separated a little bit. Oh okay, yeah, All right. yeah. I mean, I love the newlywed game. Uh, it's you fun. Know, I don't know who comes up. Yeah, I mean, the Yeah. It's a whole fun dynamic. Yeah. It's just something cool that they do. Yeah. P- Pookie comes up with those questions, and I, I like having Pookie involved with the show, period. She's just fun. Um, yeah. it's, it's, those games are way better when she comes and hosts them, though. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I think um, she's kind of decided to step away a little bit, just pull back. Just She's doing her own thing and kind of staying out of the 
She doesn't like being on camera, so I think she's just made the decision to not be on camera. But right, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, but, um, but all right, we could we could still miss it. At least we have good memories from the one that she like totally direct, like did the full game show, like everything for was was awesome. That was like the value of video for that was was super cool. Agreed. Awesome. I, that might have been that. Was that the one you and Ari did? I or think so. You and Kate did, Ari. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, yeah she I was so. she was in on the show whenever right. you know, whenever Kate and I were in there. Yeah. All right, guys. The games, though, I always love them, especially because they're usually a beautiful disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always, almost always, go south. Steve's talked about that recently. Like, you know, it's it's not a uh, it's not a pulp mix contest unless something goes wrong. Uh, before we go, all the normal segments throughout the show. You know, if you, um, we're not going to touch on them all, but we had X brand tear offs where I, said, I just said we're not going to touch on them, and I'm touching on them. X brand tear offs where we learned that Phil's back with his chick, uh, that J Mart. Uh, I think Steve, maybe, I think it was Steve called J Mart the richest, winningest underdog in the history. Uh, we had motorsport, motorsport.com tweet at tits where we've learned uh, Husky's only going to have two riders. Amart's dad is a resilient bastard. And can Steve confirm that Eli got a massive bonus if Dylan won the championship? So, you guys, if you haven't checked it out, tons of good shit throughout the show. We're not really going to get to tonight. Uh, A-Ray, Steve brought up the fact that you used to block everybody for calling you sketchy, and now you own the brand, but you've already talked about that in the past you did, when you were in studio. Yeah, I unblocked everyone. Yeah. I unblocked everyone. Yeah, you, 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 you told that a couple weeks ago when you were in studio with Randy. You've uh, you decided to just take it on, man. You're going you're gonna to go with yeah. it. You're going to run with it. I like it. Yeah. All right, guys. Other than that, I want to thank Seal Savers. Guts Racing, Motorsport.com, and Michelin Bicycle Tires. I really appreciate everybody helping out with the Pulpamex wrap-up show. And go visit PulpamexShow.com. Click on the Sponsor Deal tabs. There's links for all the discount codes like Racetech, Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles. Anything and everything that you can want from Pulpamex.com should be on there. If you don't see a discount code, contest at PulpamexShow.com. And Steve will usually get back with you. Um, Darkside. Hit me up, darkside at pulpmix.com. If you have questions, comments, criticisms, got anything to say, got anything negative to say, I'll talk about it. I'll bring it up on the show. Hit me up. <laughs> Tell me what you got. I'll, get, I'll fire back. But other than that, thanks, A-Ray. Thanks, Checkers. Do you guys have anything, Checkers, anything on this show that you want to talk about before we go? I was just wondering, I just opened my, my web browser, but I, I didn't know where to go if I wanted to check out some of the sketchy merch. Where do you have to go to find oh, that? It's uh, alexray.co. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm punching it yeah, up right now. Yeah, AlexRay.co, not .com, .co. Yeah, yeah. Get it. A-Ray, anything on this episode that you'd like to touch on that I did not bring up? No, I think we about covered it. All right. Well, you guys remember, I think next week, if I'm not mistaken, he said Paul Parabinos is in studio, or maybe that's coming up in a, after that. But I'll be in studio with Kiefer on the 28th. That is a Tuesday Uh-oh. after MXDN. So... We're going to do an MXDN show on Tuesday. Looking forward to that. I will get to see the mansion. Oh, hey, Checkers, you just brought up – We had to, Avery had to go, but you brought up the Yamaha giveaway for, the, the, for Waverly. That's, that, you can go to pulpmix.com, and there is a link for that. So definitely – I think tickets are 25 bucks to get a 2022 YZ125. That's pretty rad. Yeah, I think you should win it and sponsor a rider for the Nationals like Steve did with, with Kessler, but you should do it on a, with a 125 for someone. 
Dude, I am all in. I was told I'm not eligible, which I don't think is fair for this type of competition where you have to pay for a raffle ticket. I think I should be eligible. I think everybody should be eligible. Well, the worst thing is he's going to let you buy tickets, and then if you were to win, he would say, ah, you don't actually win, and then break your heart. Yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and buy tickets anyway. But, yeah, I, I, apparently I'm not eligible, but we are doing the drawing on the 28th when I'm in studio. So you never know. You might see a really excited dark side. And then really disappointed. Yeah, that's more <laughs> Goes likely. to a good cause, though. That's going to be more likely, yeah. It's for a good cause. So go to pulpamix.com. The link is in the upper, upper left-hand corner. Click on that thing. Go buy some tickets. Uh, all right, checkers. We're going to wrap this thing up. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Darkside. All right. See you, buddy. I appreciate all you guys listening. That's a wrap. We're out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Sit and me.